we serve a God that already knows how everything ends, but also how your situation ends. He knows how this marriage journey of yours ends. He knows how your financial situation in this moment ends. He knows how that step of faith that you have been so terrified to make, but you know that he is in it. He knows how it ends. He knows what happens. If God knows how it ends, when he calls us to start it, when he calls us to go on a journey, when he calls us to go through a process, if he knows how it ends, shouldn't we trust him in the middle of what we are dealing with right now? He knows how it ends. You don't have to know how it ends because God knows the end from the beginning. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys. How are you out there? It is your girl, Autumn Miles. I have missed you. I have taken a couple of weeks. We actually did a lot of pre-recording. And um, I've taken a couple of weeks because Cassie got married and uh, I was traveling for another one. So we are back in studio and I have missed you guys so much. I have so much to tell you about the last couple of weeks. It's crazy. Two weeks and my life is like two years. It's crazy. But I'm so I'm so glad I have such a word burning in my heart for you today. This is for you guys who... Um, you just don't know how that thing is going to turn out. You just don't know. And because of it, you're terrified or you're scared or you're anxious or you're nervous. After the break, this is going to really encourage you. The word that I have for you, I've been chewing on this myself for the last few weeks. So I was happy. I just love God's word. You guys, I love God's word. I love it when it's so personal I love when he speaks like directly to what you're dealing with in the moment. Don't you just love that about God? He knows precisely. The Bible says, I know how to sustain a weary one with a word, with one word. And uh, that's kind of what this passage has has meant to me over the last um, couple of weeks. So that is coming at you after the break. Yesterday... Your girl turned 42 years of age. 42, you guys. My dad said, what do you think about turning 42? And I said, "Um, oh, you mean the exact number of months in the tribulation, which is such a Bible nerd joke, you guys. He laughed because he's a Bible nerd. I laughed because I'm a Bible nerd. You only can tell those jokes to a few certain people and they think it's funny. I told that to my sister last night and she was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, read your Bible. It's in there. Anyways, there are 42 months in, um, in the tribulation. But anyway, uh, I am 42. I am, I've got to say, everyone was asking me yesterday, how do you feel? I feel better now than I did when I turned 32. I don't know what it is about. It's weird. It's almost like your body grows older, but your mind grows better. Does that make sense? 
better. I don't know. I, I feel better now than I did 10 years ago. And I think I've just, um, the Lord has done such a work in my, in my life and his sanctification and his, you know, sharpening and just the word. I just, I just feel good to be 42. I think some people are like, you know, I, above 40, I stopped counting. I'm like, heck no. When I'm like 72, I'm going to be counting it if God gives me that, that much time on planet earth. But I feel really, really good. But yesterday, (laughs) first of all, my birthday was on a Monday. Uh, Monday is not the greatest day to have birthday. Let's just get that all out. It's kind of like January. My husband's birthday is in January and it's like to him and me, it's like January is so depressing. It's like the worst month ever to have a birthday. Anyways, it was Monday. So we had to wait till the kids got out of school to celebrate. And so they came home and we went out to my favorite steak dinner. And I want to talk to you guys about card time in my house. Okay. Um, we all give cards, every single one of us. So if, because it was my birthday, Eddie got me a card. Moses got me a card. Haven got me a card. Grace got me a card and Jude got me a card. And we let all of our kids choose the cards for themselves. Now, when we go up to buy cards, have you noticed that cards are so expensive these days? It's like one card. That'll be $11.99. I'm like, for what? Like for, for two pages? I could go buy a book for that much. Like it's ridiculous. Card companies, I don't know what's going on, but I can emboss my name or like color it with a crayon and it would be, you know, free. Anyways, so we all buy cards, which cost us $532 because we're a family of six. But there's always a time during everyone's family dinner, no matter what we do. If we if we do birthday parties for the kids, which we always do, um, there is always family birthday dinner. We always celebrate as a family as well. And last night was mine. So we're going around the table. <laughs> The difference in the birthday cards is astounding. And everyone wants Grace to go first because, you know, she can stand up and, you know, give a monologue of a beautiful thoughts about me and everyone cries and it's wonderful. So she went first. Her card was beautiful. It was very serious. Mother, thank you for all the sleepless nights and all of the thoughts and the prayers that have guided me along this path. That's not what it said. I'm just making it up. Uh, But it was very serious. Immediately got to the heart because my girl is a, she's, she's a creature of the heart, you guys. And I, I'm just lapping it up like, like a puppy. Like I am loving every second. Of course, she always goes first um, because she's always so successful at her car choice. (laughs) Then I go to Haven Haven is obsessed with cats. As a matter of fact, um, I bought her cat ears and a tail uh, for, for you know, just to play with. And she is wearing it everywhere right now. So if you see a little child with a tail, that's my kid. She's obsessed with cats right now. So she bought me a cat card, which had a cat, a grumpy face of a cat on the front. And it said, happy birthday. You make me smile or something. And, and then she came over and kissed me and, you know, hugged me and said, I love you, mommy, you know, whatever. It's wonderful. Then we go to Moses. Moses. I look at his card. (laughs) Beautiful cards for my girls. They're beautiful. Okay. 
Go to Moses. There is the picture of a baby's behind, uh, like a not a character caricature. What do you call it when they like draw it in? Uh, anyway, um, right there, and you can imagine that the card went downhill from there. <laughs> he thinks this card is the funniest thing of all time. I don't even think he told me happy birthday. He just bought it because of the very front cover of this card, which you know cost us a good eight ninety nine. Because I don't know why. Uh, you you guys tell me. We go to Jude. My kids, my boys, 14 and 7, that is the age groups. Farts are all the rage uh, to them, okay? Burps, any sort of bodily fluid or function is hysterical. So I look at Moses. We have our time. I'm thinking Jude is a little bit older. Maybe he's grown out of some of that stuff. No, he didn't, you guys. He didn't grow out of any of it, and his card was worse than Moses's was. So we sit there, and um, then, of course, my husband, the eternal, sentimental, sensitive one, you know, wrote wrote me a card and, you know, did a, he's a lot like Grace. Um, it was very sentimental. But I just have to say, it's shocking the difference in card choices between boys and girls. Um, it's really a wonder. It's really whatever. I know my boys love me, but... They think that I think that the heinies and the farts and the burps are funny too. And, you know, it's just not funny. Anyway, it's funny to watch them laugh. I'm 42. We're going to have a great year this year. I'm looking forward to it. I've got so many dreams in my heart. There's going to be a lot of calls to action this year. The Lord is really speaking to me about y'all. So uh, be looking forward to that. Um, in the coming days, I will be back with this word from God's word right after the break. Don't go anywhere. Just don't go anywhere. Just stay right here with me. Okay. Cause I love you so much. I'll see you in a second. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online, in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at, at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Okay, guys, I'm back. I am so excited about this word. I hope you're ready for some encouragement. Um, there is a verse that struck me a couple of weeks ago, and, I, you know, sometimes I'll read for, I don't know, many, many days. No, not days. <laughs> I want to read for many days. 
I'm thinking of something else. I wouldn't, I will not read for many days in a row, okay? But I will read for many minutes in a row, sometimes 30, 45, sometimes up to an hour. Just kind of looking for what the Holy Spirit wants to tell me, okay? Um, God, what do you have for me today? What you know what I'm about to face today. What do you have for me from your word today? Sometimes it takes, it just takes a while to um, really get my heart in tune to listen and my mind in tune to listen. But a couple of weeks ago, I opened up my Bible and actually it was already on my mind. The Holy Spirit had already put it in my mind, this particular verse that morning. And I went to directly to this verse and I read it and I want to share with you what the Lord spoke to me. This verse is out of Isaiah. I love Isaiah. We're going to bounce around a little bit in the word today, but um, it's just so great. If you are wondering, if you are in a situation when you are wondering, how is this going to end? What is going to happen? I need like a spoiler alert. Do you know what I mean? You're in a situation, maybe you're in a job or, you know, maybe you're in fertility treatments. Or maybe you're in the middle of a marriage situation that is not great. And you've been going to counseling, but you just don't see any change. Um, Maybe you are about to start something and you just kind of want to know more than you know. God has asked you to step out in faith and you're going to do it, but you'd really like to know how it ends. (laughs) So you feel real good about stepping out in faith. I I understand. We want to know how things turn out for multiple reasons, for protection, for security, for stability. And sometimes God does most of the time. He, that is not what he tells us. He doesn't give us, now sometimes he does. He'll give us a vision of the end product of where you're going. And he, he has spoken that way to me. But I am in a season right now, just very personally, where it is not, I don't have a clear vision. I have a clear word of where to go next. What is the right next step? I lived for a lot of years with a very clear vision in my mind. And God is now showing me the beauty of just knowing the next step. I was praying about this the other day, and this is the verse that God dropped in my spirit, and it alleviated a lot of anxiety. It alleviated just fear. So if that's you and you're going, how is this going to end? I just don't see, I just don't see hope here. I don't see anything that could potentially be good coming out of this. I want to encourage your heart. Isaiah 46 says this, and we'll start in verse 9. Remember the former things long past, for I am God. There is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. He says, remember, I want you to remember Remember the former things long past. Remember what I've done. I am God. There's no other. I am God. There is no one like me. And then there's a comma. Verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things 
which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. I'm going to read this again because this is going to be the basis of the whole message today. Remember, Isaiah 46, 9, the former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God. I am God. And there is no one like me, comma, declaring I am God. I declare, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things which have not been done saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Uh, This stuck out to me because I think a lot of times we don't start things or we don't obey or we don't continue in things because we are it's too scary to step out in faith and not know how it ends. Does this end well? Will I be successful? Will my children flourish? Will I whatever? Am I going to get that promotion? Whatever. Well, if I'm not, I'm just not going to try. And I want to tell you right here, God is the God who declares the end from the beginning. Those of you that are like, I don't know where this is going, you don't have to because God declares the end before you began it. I think there is something here that we need to have a conversation about in today's day and age. We serve a God that already knows how everything ends, but also how your situation ends. He knows what his purpose is, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure in verse 10, 46, 10. He knows how it ends. He knows how your fertility treatments end. He knows how this marriage journey of yours ends. He knows whether everything gets worked out or whether it doesn't. He knows how that child and your relationship with him ends. He knows how your financial situation in this moment ends. He's already declared it. He already knows how it ends. He knows how that step of faith that you have been so terrified to make, but you know that he is in it. He knows how it ends. He knows what happens. Therefore, we don't have to get caught up in analyzing everything to death. Why? Because we serve a God that already knows how it ends. If God knows how it ends, when he calls us to start it, when he calls us to go on a journey, when he calls us to go through a process, if he knows how it ends, shouldn't we trust him in the middle of what we are dealing with right now? He knows how it ends. His purpose will be established. His purpose will stand. He will accomplish his good pleasure, period, full stop. You don't have to know how it ends 
because God knows the end from the beginning. Whatever you've started, your job on the journey is to seek the God that knows how it ends. I'm, I'm repeating myself because I just know that this is a word in season for someone who wants to give up, who is struggling, who is terrified, who is nervous, who just got a doctor's report and you just don't even know what to do. Let's, God knows how it ends. There is a God in heaven that is closely monitoring your process from beginning to the ending. Which is why he can say, I'm your shepherd. Which is why David could say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. Listen, you guys. Your shepherd knows the way to the end where his purpose sits. I want to encourage you in that today because I feel that God wants me to. And I, to me, that's very encouraging, right? Like if God's asking me to do something crazy and it looks like totally bananas and you're like, God, what are you doing? Like, come on, God, what are you doing up there? If he has asked me to do it and he's going to lead me through it and I'm going to seek him through the journey and through the process, I don't have to know anything more than just start this now because he knows how it ends. Okay. Um, I want to go to, I think, what I think is the absolute most incredible, wonderful example in scripture of this verse. <laughs> I'm like, I'm blown away, you guys. I've been sitting in this for a while now. Um, I'm going to take you to Genesis 22. You guys, you talk about bananas. You talk about a God asking someone to do something crazy. This would be it. Listen to what it says. Genesis 22, 1. Now it came to pass after these things. That God tested Abraham. God does test us. He tests us, you guys. He wants to know, are you tried and true? Is your faith all talk? Do you got some grit there? Do you have actual faith there? I'm going to test it. I'm going to see. He tests us, okay? God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. <laughs> and this is what God wanted Abraham to do. Now, I know you know the story, but maybe that you'll think about it a little differently in comparison to whatever you're facing. And he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love. This is not a son he hated. <laughs> this is the son he loved, whom you love, Isaac. And go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Um, what? <laughs> Come again, God? Come again? I read this the other day, and it's hard for me to process this ask of God to Abraham. It's hard for me to process. 
he said, verse two, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I'm going to tell you. I'm not even going to tell you where I'm going, where you're going. You're going to go to Moriah, but I'm going to tell you where. So just get up and go and just, you know, take your son because, you know, the whole burnt offering thing. Um, and yeah, go ahead. What? <laughs> what is happening here? As I read this text the other day, I've just looked at it, I think, in a totally different light now, you know. Uh, thinking of my kids and, you know, we're, we're all in the kid world right now. We're in the throes of raising them all. And I'm thinking, what kind of ask is this from God to Abraham? And then it hit me. Abraham knew something that I needed to be reminded of. He knew that God knew the end from the beginning. So if he asked Abraham to do this, he knew he was going to accomplish his good pleasure. Has God ever asked you to do something so bizarre? <laughs> what? God's asked me to do a lot of really weird stuff before. And I'm always kind of like, what? That was a real weird, Lord. And then I do it. And then I think, wow, if I wouldn't have listened, if I wouldn't have done that, I would have missed out on that opportunity. I would have missed out on that thing that God wanted to do for me. You see, God in this passage in Genesis 22 is testing Abraham because God wants to bless him um, he's already promised his blessing, but he wants to make sure that Abraham's faith is as solid as it is. Now, he already knows it is, but he does, but does Abraham know that it is? God knows that it is because he knows all things. But Abraham in this moment is being tested. And I don't think it's because God doesn't know if he's, if he's uh, full of faith or not. I don't think Abraham knows he's full of this much faith. So God asked him an impossible question. Take your son, Isaac, the one you love, you know, the boy that you waited for for years and years and decades and decades. And then you like, you know, you messed up and, you know, the Ishmael thing and the Hagar thing and all the things. And you got you, Sarah and you didn't like her and you sent her away and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, I gave you now you had Isaac and. You have, you have this boy that you waited for forever and you trusted me for it. And then I gave it to you. And then now I'm going to ask you to give him away. Give him up. It's crazy. The ask is crazy. And what I realized when I read Genesis 22 is what happens next. Genesis 22 verse 3 says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. And I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and we will return to you. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid Isaac his son uh, laid it 
on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand with the fire and the knife so that the two of them walked together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and was like, hey, dad. <laughs> Hello, daddy. He said, here I am, son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked together. Verse 9. They came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. This struck me so deep because after reading the text multiple times, probably in my career, I don't even know how many times. Lord knows I've read it a lot of times because I can barely read the text because there's so much markings on it. But I read the text over and over. What did I miss? I'm looking for emotion on Abraham's face. I'm looking for emotion. I'm looking for fear. I'm looking for trembling. I'm looking for anxiety. I'm looking for distrust. I'm looking for some sort of emotion in Abraham that says, this is crazy. And I found none in the text. You can't find it because it's not there. First John 4 says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. There is no fear in love. Now we know, I know from my study that that word love is agape love. We know that just above in First John 4, 10, God is describing himself as love. So in God, there is no fear. I have taught this on the podcast before. But I'm looking at this text. I'm seeing the severity of the ask. And I'm looking somewhere, maybe just so someone can agree with my own humanity that this looks absolutely bizarre, crazy, whatever. Not one time was he nervous. As a matter of fact, he was able to look at his son and say, God will provide the lamb. How could Abraham be that confident how could Abraham not one time say, Lord, this is nuts. I feel weird. I don't like this. What am I going to tell Isaac? What am I going to tell the guys that traveled with us? Like, I'm sure they had conversation. What was their conversation like? This is crazy. And then Isaiah 4610 just rang in my ear. Remember the former things long past, for I am God. There is no other. I am God. There's no one like me. Declaring an end from the beginning, from ancient times which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Abraham knew. That if God asks this of him, he can trust the Lord through this crazy.
crazy journey to Mount Moriah, to a place that he was going to tell him. He could trust him with his emotion. He could trust him with his questions. He could trust him perfectly in regards to the beginning of this ask that God had asked him to do. Why? Because God knows how it ends. And if God is asking Abraham to do something so bizarre and crazy, especially due to the covenant promises that God had promised Abraham himself, if God had promised all of those things and God was asking this of him, he could trust him perfectly through this process because it was going to end in God's perfect plan. I just feel today that some of you are starting off on a journey. Maybe you're starting a trial. Maybe something all of a sudden suddenly hit you and you're like, oh my goodness gracious, that was out of the blue. There was the beginning of a trial. There was the beginning of a season, a journey, something unexpected has kind of dropped into your life. And you're thinking, I'm beginning this process, something I don't really want to walk through, something I don't really want to do, but I, but I know that God is in it because I trust that he is in control of my life and I'm trusting him through it. But man, this seems really, really hard. I can promise you today, I'm sure Abraham did not want to go up to Mount Moriah and, and put Isaac on that altar, but he did it because he knew what God had already promised him which was, I'm going to make you the father of many nations and in you, the nations of the world are going to be blessed. He knew the end. And as a matter of fact, it says in Hebrews 11 that he died in faith. He doesn't even know. He, well, he died, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. So he knows, but I don't think he had any capacity to actually understand that his blessing in the covenant of Abraham is still going on today. It's still not done. What has happened as a result of him listening and leaning into the Lord? You're still being blessed today. Abraham stretched out the knife, verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, don't stretch out your hand against that lad. Do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God since you've not withheld your son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes, looked and behold behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide as it is said to this day in the Mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called down uh, to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I had sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son from me. Indeed, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens, as the sand 
uh, and as the sand which is on the seashore. For your seed shall possess the gate of the enemies, and your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. That's encouraging to me. That was crazy. That was a crazy ask, right? I don't know what God is asking you to trust him during this health journey, this marriage journey that you have, this financial journey that you have, this ministry journey that you have. It started, it's begun. We serve a God who already knows how it ends. He sees every step in the process and he is faithful. You don't have to have everything figured out because he already has everything already figured out. He is the good shepherd who leads his sheep. His sheep hear his voice. If you know that he already knows the end from the beginning, you need to trust him in the middle of this process. Abraham trusted him. He knew what God had said. He knew that he was going to be blessed. Trust him. Because I think that the lack of trust and the needing to know, we think we need to know. Uh, We think God's Google and we can just, you know, Google, what am I doing here? And, you know, there's 3000 results that are going to come up or however many come up. You don't know how it ends because God already knows how it ends. The trial, the opportunity that caught you off guard. This no doubt caught Abraham off guard. God already knows how it ends. Take this as your encouragement and stay the course listening to your good shepherd as he leads you towards his good purpose for your life and for his story. I just love this word today. It's directly from my heart. My purpose, he says in Isaiah 46, will be established. His purpose will be established. And it was definitely established in Abraham's life. I hope this encouraged you today. A little shorter than normal, but um, I just really love this word. I will see you right after the break with a question and a story from one of you. Don't go anywhere. I'll see you in a sec. Looking for a passionate speaker to bring the Word of God for your next conference or church function? We've got the girl for you. Autumn Miles is the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries with the goal of spiritually challenging the way people think. Autumn is dedicated to teaching the Bible in an engaging and relatable way so that everyone can experience the Lord in a deeper way. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she's passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. So what are you waiting for? You can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement today. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. Okay, guys, I'm back. I hope that encouraged you as much as it did me. I just, I need Jesus. I mean, listen, unashamedly over here. I need the Lord. I want the Lord 
I also want the Lord. It's one thing to need him, but I also want him. There is nothing like time in his presence. There's nothing like we were talking in the break. His word is it's so true what the word says about his word. It is sharp. It is sharper than a two edged sword. It will cut directly to what you are dealing with in that moment. Anyway, I'm just so thankful for it. We have an incredible story from you guys. By the way, we we get so many comments and messages from you guys, like a lot, like a lot, lot um, from you guys. We want to know what God is doing in your life. Every time I read one of these every single week, I'm just blown away that we have such, we have thousands and thousands of people in this community. And I just... I'm so thankful to just be a part of it, but I also just want to hear from you. Like, what has God done? Small, big, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I had a prayer that I prayed over one of my kids this past weekend, and and it was really a stupid prayer. <laughs> I won't tell you what it is because I don't want to embarrass them. But um, God answered it within 12 hours. It was just, I even said, God, this is really dumb, but this is this is what I'm praying over my child. And he answered it in 12 hours. I want to hear the little stuff. I want to hear the big stuff. Let's worship the Lord through glorifying him with our stories of what he's done. Here is what we have this week. Uh, She says, I was diagnosed with cancer in 2014 and we had just moved into our new home. Three weeks later, I went to the doctor and was told I had stage four cancer. I was scared. Didn't want to tell my children just yet until I I had run all the tests and knew what we were facing. The kids started a new school with so much going on. Yes, the Lord showed up and fought my battle. I spent three years going to treatments and he was with me every step of the way. Five years now in remission my favorite song was I Am Not Alone by Carrie Job. Oh, that song is like gets me every time. All the feels. I was not alone. God went with me every step of the way. And she says she's so thankful. Guys, in our midst, God healed someone from stage four cancer. That's pretty amazing. So praise you, Father, for what you're doing and what you have done in her life. I love, love, love these stories. Our question this week from a follower is a good one. It's real, real good. I have a spouse in leadership at the church, but our marriage is really struggling and I don't know who to go to. I feel like I always have to be on, in parentheses, and can never let my guard down. What do you do when the one who always leads is the one who needs help? Ah, uh, this is a really good question. Thank you so much for sending it in. I won't, I won't use the name uh, just, just because, you know, we want to protect your, your dignity over here. This is a great question because I understand this um, to if you are listening today or if you're in this situation today, you're, you're married to someone in leadership, your, your marriage is not good, but you feel trapped in the leadership bubble of I can't be transparent because what will they think? I totally understand. I lived, I still live to an extent in that bubble. Listen, you need to reach out 
to a trusted mentor, pastor, friend, parent, someone who is godly in your life, it might need to be a biblical counselor. It might need to be a pastor from another church who you have never met before, but you are referred to. You need to reach outside and you need to get help. The worst possible thing you could do is conceal this. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you not to tell anyone, pretend like everything's okay, and then he wants your life to implode, okay? You need to have enough courage to ask the Lord, God, you see what I'm dealing with. You see how I'm struggling. Lead me to someone that can advise me that I can trust to help me get on the right track. Too many marriages and ministries struggle in silence and it is not okay. It makes me so frustrated because of this one trap from the enemy. You can't tell anyone because what will they think? They'll not respect you because you're in leadership. We have got to give our men and women in ministry permission to be human beings, guys. People in ministry are human beings. They have normal struggles. I don't care who you are, people in ministry still struggle the way humans struggle. Why? Because they're human. So to this woman who's written in, ask the Lord to lead you to a trusted, biblically sound source. Be very careful by who you choose and make sure the Lord is leading you. And then even though it's awkward, even though it's going to take faith, even though it's going to take courage, make an appointment for a phone call, a Zoom date, uh, whatever, and say, I need help. I am struggling with my marriage and I don't want to lose it because too many people conceal it. Their marriage implodes and then consequently their ministry implodes because of it get help. I will tell you, my husband and I have amazing, every pastor needs a pastor. Every pastor needs a, a minister. Every single one. If you don't think you do, well then I don't know who, maybe you're Jesus because I'm telling you what, we need them. We go to people all the time that we can trust, that love both of us, that love our family, and we are able to talk through things that we deal with on a normal basis. So let me tell you, you need a pastor in your life if you're a minister, but you also need to let your guard down, fight that lie from the enemy that says you have to conceal this because what would they think and get the help you need so that your marriage can be healthy. Um, it is very, very important. I think it was courageous just to receive this question. And I really thank you for writing it in. I want to pray over you guys. He knows the end from the beginning, you guys. He knows how it ends, which means he watches your process. He's there to lead you on that next step, that next journey. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you, ever. You can't shake him. You have him forever. Lord, we love you today, and I pray for that soul, that precious soul, Lord, that is struggling in there. They feel lost. The word lost, that just dropped in my spirit. Just, I'm just lost. 
when it comes to this situation. I think I'm doing the right direction. I'm just confused and it doesn't look good. I don't, I don't know what to do, Lord. That, that person. Infertility treatments keep coming in my head. For that person. They're at a bend in the road. Do they move forward? Do they not? Spirit of the living God, good shepherd, lead that person forward. I pray for that parent, grandparent, who is just desperate over their children, grandchildren. I pray, good shepherd, that you would remind them that you are good. You're watching the situation. You see what they can't, and you're involved when, when they can't be. I pray, Lord God, for that person that's facing finances as an issue. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them. I pray that you would lead them forward, Good Shepherd. Help them. Remind them, I'm here. Stick with me. I'm going to lead you out of this. I'm going to lead you out of this. Lord, we love you so much. We trust you with our lives. I thank you, Lord, for everyone that's listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all so much. You know I do. You know I do. We're going to start a series next week that you are not going to want to miss. It is going to be called How I Won in the Wilderness. Oh, isn't that good? <laughs> it's going to be good. I'll see you next week. I cannot wait to hang out with y'all. I'll see you then. Have an awesome week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.